Welcome to today's podcast from Sherwood Baptist Church. For more information on Sherwood or Pastor Michael Catt, visit our website at SherwoodBaptist.net. And now, here's Pastor Michael Catt. We're in a series called Christianity 101 on what you need to know to pass the test of life. We've talked about the authority of Scripture. We've talked about the sufficiency of Scripture. Last week, we talked about how do you listen to a sermon. And this week, I want to talk about how we renew our mind. Because a mind is a terrible thing to waste. That was one of the greatest ad slogans that the United Negro College Fund used a number of years ago that, that I've ever heard because everybody knows that phrase. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Now, there are several ways that you can waste your mind. And you can hear people talk about a wasted life or a person who's on drug that they're wasted. But I want us to talk about how you waste your mind. Because God has given us this incredible capacity to think and to reason and to make judgments. We were created in the image of God, which means we've been given a mind to think with. And yet, most people waste their mind. Some people say that we don't even use 90% of the mind that we've been given because we don't stretch ourselves. We are becoming a society that does not think. We're becoming a society that just puts it in neutral. We turn the switch on, but the mind is off. And we are in a dumbing-down culture. The average book in America today is written for somebody with no more than an eighth grade education, and yet we have institutes of higher learning everywhere. But if you take a book more than the eighth grade level, most people will not pick it up and read it. We are living in a culture where in the, what's happening in our economy, less and less will be required of people to have any kind of college education. It won't be required. We are moving as a culture, now listen to me carefully, we are moving as a culture to a third world mentality with an elite few who think and decide and make decisions and everybody else is treated as a stubborn, stupid peon who is told how to think, told when to go to work, told what to do, and you don't have to learn anything. That's a dangerous path that this nation is on. And if Christians don't start thinking and using their minds, we will contribute to the problem rather than stem the tide. And so I want us to talk about some ways that you can waste your mind. Number one, by depriving it of information. By depriving it of information, you just choose to be illiterate. Now, illiteracy is not a major problem in America. I believe it is becoming a problem in America. We are not teaching our kids how to read and how to think. And because of our education system in America, now we have to have people spending millions of dollars on hooked on phonics so that we can learn to do what teachers used to teach our kids to do in the classroom and what mom and dad used to do. Now we just plug in a videotape and tell the kid, this is how you learn. We deprive it of information. Secondly, by brainwashing. You can waste your mind by brainwashing. This is what the cults do. They brainwash and they indoctrinate. That's what the communists 
did. They brainwash, they indoctrinate. In fact, I don't know if you pay attention to the news much, but in North Korea, when there was that big explosion, the announcement from the government was, the picture of the president has been saved. Not that people died, but that the picture of the president had been saved because in North Korea, it is law that you have a picture of the communist president in every home and every place of business. That's indoctrination. That's brainwashing. They don't know that there's another way of life. Thirdly, by filling it with useless information. By filling it with useless information. Now, by that, write down this little statement. Never have so many known so much about so little. Never have so many known so much about so little. Trivial pursuit is still a very popular game, and we are a culture consumed with trivial pursuits. We know the batting average of Chipper Jones and don't know the names of our teachers of our students in school. We know things that don't matter in time and in eternity. We know who got traded to who and who plays for who and where our favorite player from our favorite college was drafted in the draft, but we do not know the things that are important. We're filled with things that don't matter. We've clogged up and junked up our minds with trivial things. Number four, by failing to filter our minds. By failing to filter our minds. We just let anything and everything come at us. Television, movies, the internet, books, ungodly images and thoughts bombard us every day. Sex is used to sell everything. And it begins to infiltrate us until we are numb to what's going on around us. Another way is by rationalistic thinking. By rationalistic thinking, which simply means truth is only on the basis of human reason and pragmatic evidence. We, we have to rationalize everything. We throw faith out the window. We eliminate faith from our life. We live on a very practical level, but we never delve into the realm of having a godly faith by thinking there are no absolutes. That's our society today, that there are no absolutes. Well, that's truth for you, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily truth for me. That's relative. It's situational ethics. There are no absolutes. And it's harder and harder in our culture to say this is right and this is wrong because we have whole generations that have been indoctrinated with, well, that's what you think. The reason the pulpit in America is not honored today is, one, because preachers have not done a good job of making sure that it is. But another reason is because what has been indoctrinated into our kids as we have grown up and now those are adults is... There are no authority figures. There are no right and wrong. And, and we have a society that focuses on the negative rather than on the positive. We'll always point out the bad cop and forget to say thank you to the 50 good cops. We'll talk about, well, that preacher blew it. And we'll forget the ones that have stayed the course and kept the faith. And so everything becomes relative. Next Sunday, we're going to honor our public service people. 
firemen and EMT and police officers and sheriffs and, and others. We're going to honor them. We're going to provide a lunch for them because I'm tired of living in a society where we talk bad about those who keep us safe. And I want us to say to those who serve our community, thank you for what you do. I hope that when they're here, you'll greet them warmly and that you will thank them for what they do for you. Relative thinking, that was a side note. No absolutes. An unwillingness to learn. An unwillingness to learn. Libraries are becoming relics. We we don't want to learn. We don't want to think. But folks, listen, leaders are readers. And I, I'm so weary of men saying to me, I don't read, my wife reads. Well, no wonder she's running your house. She's smarter than you. The only thing you read is what the Brave score was. And she tries to engage you in a conversation about what's going on, and you're clueless. Hey, step up to the plate, buy a book. Ladies, don't buy your husbands anything for Father's Day but a book, and don't cook for them until they read it. (laughs) Make them read. Get control of the remote control. Turn the television off and say, honey, we're going to read tonight. We don't need to watch that rerun for the 15th time. We're going to read tonight. We're going to sit here, and we're going to read. We need to think We need to learn how to renew our minds. Now, there's a battle before us and a battle that's going on within us. I want to ask you to turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. As we talk about the battle before us, which is mostly a battle within us. Mark chapter 7 and verse 20. Mark 7 and verse 20. That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Now look at the quote by Joseph Stowell, who's the president of Moody Bible Institute. Wherever it goes, secularism leaves dark footprints. From abortion to gay rights to pornography, from drugs to immorality, this nation no longer seems able to distinguish right from wrong. The quiet standard of righteousness no longer sets the pace. Now the pace is set by the one who shouts the loudest, lobbies the longest, or pays the most high-powered lawyer. You see, as junk food is to a diet, so is a secular message to your mind. And it goes in, and then it comes out. What you feed your mind with, you become. What you think about all the time, you become. That's why I'm surprised that I didn't turn into a girl in the eighth grade, because that's all I thought about. (laughs) Give that pious laugh with me. 
You know, you, some of you girls would have turned into boys. That's all you thought about. You got on the phone and talked to your friends all the time. About, ah. Our oldest daughter called us from New York City this weekend, and, and she, of course, she called at 12.15. We're in bed, but she called and says, Mom, guess what? Said, I met Mickey Dolans. Anybody know who Mickey Dolans is, the drummer for the Monkees? And she said, I told him, my mom would be so jealous that I got to meet you. <laughs> and Terry, Terry and I were talking yesterday. She said, you know, just to think that when I was 13 years old and had a crush on the guys in the monkeys, if you'd ever told me at 13 my daughter would meet one of them before I did, I would have told you you're crazy. <laughs> you see, this world is bombarding us with messages. And we get captivated by those messages. And we're lured in by those messages. And we begin to be dominated by those messages and by those thoughts. And and these secular messages just kind of overwhelm our brain. And we can get so focused on them that we forget that there's a bigger world. The renewing of the mind and controlling of the thought life is a crucial discipline. And if you're going to pass the test of life, you have to have a Christian world view. And you won't find many books on that at Barnes & Noble or Books A Million or Walden Books. There's a whole list of books on the back. You don't need to look at them now. But if you want to learn how to think, and if you want to read some good books that will help you with a Christian worldview, that's a good starting list for you. We used to live in a culture with the Judeo-Christian ethic was... Just taken as that's the way it is. There was at least, even among lost people, a mental assent to biblical truth to the Ten Commandments. Now we argue about the Ten Commandments. And yet, any honest historian would tell you that this nation was founded on the laws of God. That's how we came into being. That's why God's blessed us. You throw the laws of God out and you have chaos, not order. You have bondage, not freedom. And now we're redefining what sex is, and we're redefining marriage, and we have gay marriages now, and, and the parading of gay marriage. And, you know, to be honest with you, it's disgusting, but when you watch it, you just need to remember one thing. That's happened in this country because Christians quit thinking, quit voting, and quit being vocal about their faith. We are in the shape we are in, not because of the homosexual agenda. We're in the shape we're in because evangelical churches have sat on their blessed assurance and done nothing about what's happening in this culture. That's why we're in the shape we're in. And so we are, we are being bombarded with this stuff, and it battles with us. And the Scripture says, as a man thinks, so is he. God created Adam and Eve to think. And they thought differently from God. And they sinned. And man fell. I love this quote by Alfred Gibbs. It's one of the most famous quotes on thinking that you'll ever hear, and it's just one sentence. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. You become like what you think about. Now, the thoughts that cross our minds, whether they're trivial or significant, affect us. They either move us toward our goal in life or they detract us from our goal. And I just want to give you some, some scriptures here, and you'll just have to write them down quickly. But 
the word mind appears 144 times in the Bible. You'll find the word mind 144 times in the Bible. You'll find the word heart 800 times in the Old Testament, and 200 of those times it refers to the mind, how we think. The word thought is found 45 times, and the word think is found 39 times. God knows, the Scripture says, our every thought. And the Scripture says our minds are fallen. Now, I want to give you the description of the lost mind according to Paul. Romans chapter 1 and verse 28, Paul says it is debased. 2 Corinthians 3.14, the mind is hardened. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the mind is blinded. Ephesians 4.17, there is the futility of the mind. Ephesians 4.18, the mind is darkened in understanding. Galatians 1.21, it is hostile. Galatians 2.4, it is deluded. Galatians 2.8, it is deceived. And Galatians 2.18, it is sensuous. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 5, the mind is depraved. 2 Timothy 3.8, it is corrupted. And Titus chapter 1 and verse 15, it is defiled. The Scripture says that we are always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. The Scripture also says that there are those who have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. There's another quote besides the one in your notes by Joseph Stoll, who says, Secularism threatens to inundate our minds, seductively silencing the Spirit's proclamation of truth. The consequences will be measured in terms of home, authentic happiness, health, and most significantly, our effectiveness for Christ. Now let's look at the possibilities for change. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Romans 12 and verse 1, and then I want you to go to 2 Corinthians and just hold a place in 2 Corinthians for a second. You remember the Bereans in the book of Acts? They were commended because they listened to the Scripture and they examined the Scriptures. In other words, the Bereans didn't just take what Paul said because Paul said it. The Bereans went and examined what the Scriptures said, and all they had at that point was the Old Testament. They examined what the Scriptures said to see if what Paul was saying was consistent with the Word of God. We need to be students of the Word of God. Romans 12 and verse 1, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that little phrase, renewing of your mind, doesn't mean that you go out and find something new. It means that you renew your mind around that which is old and sure. That you think about those things that have been proven. The truth of God's Word. That we begin to focus and renew our mind on the Word of God so that you'll be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, God wants to control your mind. And what's in your mind needs to be renewed because if it's not, the wrong things are going to come out. Have you ever thought about the fact that before the first airplane ever took off at Kitty Hawk, that that flight was already in the mind of the Wright brothers? That before the light bulb was ever invented, it was already in the mind of the inventor? That before any book you ever read was ever published, it was in the mind of the author? 
that before Jaron Davis ever wrote that song to the words of the Lord's Prayer, Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, that that tune was in the mind of Jaron Davis before he ever wrote it down. You see, God wants to work and renew our minds. And if the devil cannot capture your soul, he will work to corrupt your mind. If he can't capture your soul, you're already saved. He will work to corrupt your mind. And whatever controls your mind controls your destiny. The scriptures told us that our minds can be renewed. We've been told to put on the new self, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. We've been told to set our minds on things that are above. In the classic book, The Christian Mind, the author says, to think Christianly is to think in terms of revelation. For the secularist, God and theology are the playthings of the mind. For the Christian, God is real And Christian theology describes his truth revealed to us. For the secular mind, religion is essentially a matter of theory. For the Christian mind, Christianity is a matter of acts and facts. The acts and facts which are the basis of our faith are recorded in the Bible. And so I want to make suggestion of three keys to transform your mind. First of all, your mind must be converted. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Your mind must be converted. And see, when, when we say we gave our heart to Jesus, we all know what that means. But the mind needs to be converted too. Because how we think about God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I deserve to go to hell. I realize that I cannot save myself. So the mind has to be converted. We have to realize I can't do anything to save myself. There's nothing I can do. So my mind needs to be converted. 2 Corinthians 4.4 In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You see, my mind has to be converted so that instead of being blinded and being corrupted, my mind is converted and then I can read Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and unfathomable his ways. You see, God has a right perspective on truth. He has the only right perspective on truth. And so if I ask you if your mind has been converted... Here's the test for that. Are your thoughts at home with God? Are your thoughts at home with God? Are are most of your thoughts carnal and worldly? Or do you find your mind racing toward thoughts about God and eternity and eternal perspectives? Are your thoughts at home with God? with God. Secondly, not only does the mind need to be converted, the mind needs to be conquered. When you got saved, you brought some baggage into your Christian life. I got saved in my teenage years, and although I grew up in church, I exposed myself to a lot of things that were not healthy for me spiritually. 
And I still have to die to some of those things. And I still battle because whatever goes into your mind stays there. It may be way, way down in the subconscious, but it's still there. What you've seen, what you've heard, it's been absorbed in your mind. And so there has to be a conversion and then there has to be a conquering of your mind. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. And I want you to write a word by that verse, and then we're going to go to chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, and I want you to write another word there. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We are destroying... Now, Paul's speaking to Christians, remember. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of of Christ. Now by verse 5 of chapter 10, write the word evil. These are thoughts that are against God. And so we have to take our mind captive and bring it into obedience. We have a responsibility. We're not in neutral here. And then go to chapter 11 and verse 3. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. But I am afraid... After that, as the servant deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds, he's talking to Christians, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. By verse 3, write the word error. You see, you have to conquer evil thoughts, but you also have to conquer erroneous thoughts. Thoughts that are not true. Thoughts that somebody said that sounds good, but it doesn't contain total truth in it. It's got a mixture of error in it. And you have to bring every thought captive to Christ so that evil is conquered and so that error is conquered. So that you're not led astray, either either by falling into sin or by falling into false teaching. And so there's a conquering of the mind. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Be preparing our minds for action and be sober-minded. There were 15 prominent professors who tried to reduce to the simplest form the way a person is motivated. And if you've got a good handwriting, you can write these down. And they determined that there are four statements that define the way a person thinks and what motivates a person. Number one, what the mind attends to, it considers. What the mind attends to or pays attention to, it considers. This is how we're motivated, and this is true of every person. Whether they're young or old, educated or uneducated, what our mind attends to, it considers. Secondly, what the mind does not attend to, it dismisses. What the mind does not attend to, it dismisses. I have a good friend of mine who's in charge of all the chapels for the National Hockey League. I I still don't get it. First of all, I'm not an ice skater. I don't get this thing about getting jazzed up about a black puck coming toward my mouth. Or the guy next to me hitting me with his stick. You know, I don't get it. So when he talks to me about hockey, you know, when he says, oh, it's a hat trick, I'm going, I don't know what that, 
I've heard hat trick for 30 years. I still don't know what a hat trick is, and I don't need you to tell me because I'm going to dismiss it when you do. Because it's not important to me. It doesn't motivate me. Now, if you tell me you want to talk to me about a pass out in the flats, I understand that, and I'll listen to you talk about that. Or if you want to tell me how to get a ball around a tree that's in my way so I can get it on the green, I'm going to listen because I'm going to pay attention to that. I'm attentive to that. I don't dismiss that. What we attend to, we consider. What we don't attend to, we dismiss. Number three, what the mind attends to continuously, it believes. What the mind attends to continuously, it believes. Now let me tell you how that works. If you walk through life and all you ever say to yourself is, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm a loser. I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm a loser. I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm a loser. Somebody told me I was stupid, somebody else told me I was dumb, and somebody else told me I was a loser. And you keep telling yourself, guess what? That's what you're going to end up being. Because you've talked yourself into it. Or you can walk through life saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I may not be the brightest bulb in the box. I may not be the sharpest tack. I may not have the sharpest pencil. But I can do everything God wants me to do through Christ who strengthens me. And I tell you, you'll face life a different way. We're going to study the book of Philippians. Some of you are going to come out of 12 weeks in the book of Philippians, and you're still going to be griping and miserable and unhappy because you've decided to be that way. And nothing's going to change it. We could stand at the door, hand $500 bills out at the door, and say, here, God bless you, go on a shopping spree. And you'd say, did anybody else get one of these? I wanted a new one. I mean, Jesus couldn't make you happy. Or you say, man, great. Now I can pay my minimum payment at Sears. You see, what you attend to continuously, you begin to believe. And then number four, what the mind believes, it practices. What the mind believes, it practices. And so we are living the way we're living because of what we've attended to continuously. We live the way we live because of what we attend to continuously. Number three, your mind must be controlled. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, think on these things. You and I need to be selective about what we let into our minds. Most of us have computers and internets at our house. You have to be selective. That's why you put a firewall in. That's why you put spam killer in. That's why you put virus protection in. Because you want to stop things from just coming in. That's why if you have a child, you should put parental controls on your computer. You don't want them hitting some site when you're not there. And by the way, most kids are on the computer when their parents aren't watching. Duh. So you better control what sites they can get to. And there's also a way you can check the computer, which you need to learn, and you can find out even if they delete it. There's a backdoor way to get in and find out even if they delete it, what your kids have been looking at on the computer. And if you don't know, shame on you. Because you wouldn't let a child abuser or a rapist come in your door and sleep in your house, but you're letting them in on your computer. 
You're letting pornography in on your computer, but you wouldn't let it into your house. You wouldn't let a Playboy salesman come to your house and lay out all his copies and try to offer you a subscription, but you let it in on your computer. Think. Don't be a stupid parent. Don't be dumb. This affects your life. It affects your children. It affects how they live. It affects what they become. It determines their character. Think. So let me give you some suggestions on how you can change the way you think and renew your mind. Number one, make a decision. You're never going to change unless you choose to change. You're never going to be a reader unless you choose to be a reader. You're never going to choose to think outside of your normal pattern unless you choose to think that way. Resist the temptation to watch one more rerun and read a book. I love to watch reruns, especially Andy Griffith. Don't call my house when Andy Griffith is on. I know what Barney's going to do, but I just want to see it one more time. But think. Prioritize your time. Number two, be accountable. Be accountable. Is there anybody in your life that can ask you the hard questions? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you spending time with? You have to renew your mind and you have to be accountable to somebody who can ask you the hard questions. Number three, start small and build. Start small and build. You're not going to change everything about the way you think overnight. If you've bombarded your mind with trivial stuff, it's going to take you a while to change the way you think. There are two little exercises that Warren Wiersbe does every day, and one of them I forget right now, but, but he does a crossword puzzle every day, and he does one other thing. What's the other thing? you remember what it is? I, it's, it's a word puzzle game every day. And it has, it has been proven by research that if you do a crossword puzzle and if you do some mind exercises every day, it keeps your mind sharp as you get older because we lose the capacity to think as much as we get older. We just get tired. We've thought so much. I'm just tired right now thinking about it, you know. I mean, we just, we do. But, but you just start small and you build. Let me just... Okay, I'm going to change the way I think because I never do consistently spend time in the Bible. I'm going to read my Bible five minutes a day. And some of you are thinking, that's all you're asking of anybody? Listen, for some people, five minutes a day is a mountain. Maybe you need to start reading it 30 minutes a day. Maybe you just need to quit stopping where you are and keep growing in your faith. But start small and build. Number four, when you blow it, don't quit. That's when Satan starts playing mind games with you and throws you on a guilt trip. Well, you know, you're never going to be able to change the way you think. You're never going to be able to renew your mind. You've got so much stuff in there, and there's so much stuff you've done wrong. Forget about it. You can't get that fixed. When you blow it, don't quit. Number five, focus on one area at a time. Just conquer one area. Say, man, you know, I spend too much time just surfing the Internet. I spend too much time just watching TV. Well, just... Find one and work on it until you get a handle on it. And then go to something else. But just focus on an area that you can take control over. Now, I understand the Holy Spirit's got to empower you to do this, but you are responsible for your actions. So focus on an area. Number six, decide today to change something. Now, that goes back to number one and number two. Decide today to change something. 
Do it now. Don't say, well, I'm going to go home and think about that. You already know what you need to do. Do something now. Go home. Here's a, here's a suggestion. Go home and just look at that list at the beginning on the ways we waste our minds and circle the one that's your biggest problem. And then look up those scriptures on the mind and maybe memorize one verse this week about having a renewed mind. Start with Romans 12.1. But do something about it. And then tell your spouse or tell a friend or tell somebody in your Sunday school class or somebody that's by you in church today, tell them, this is what I'm going to do. I want you to ask me next week if I did it. Just do it. Os Guinness said, thinking Christianly is thinking by Christians about anything and everything in a consistently Christian way, in a manner that is shaped, directed, and restrained by the truth of God's Word and God's Spirit. Thanks for listening to today's podcast from Sherwood Baptist Church and Pastor Michael Gatt. For more information about Sherwood, you can visit our website at sherwoodbaptist.net. If you live or visit in the Albany area, we invite you to worship with us here at Sherwood. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.